for that time, and uh, I am glad that uh, I remember to turn my microphone on. <laughs> I am glad that I'm saved tonight. I know that uh, one of these days I'm going to that land where we'll never grow old. I won't have to preach any more funerals or make any more hospital visits or uh, visit the sick and the shut-ins or anything like that anymore in heaven. Uh, I can just only imagine what it's going to be like everything being perfect. Uh, but until we get there, we have to occupy. We've got to abide. And so uh, if you have your copy of God's Word, you turn to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. And excuse me for being undignified tonight. I had to take that jacket off. I felt like I was going to melt. Revelation chapter 1, we're going to look at the first eight verses, Lord willing, and then in a little bit we'll be looking at Revelation chapter 22, but for now, let's go ahead and turn to Revelation chapter 1, if you're able to stand, would you please stand for reading of God's Word, Revelation chapter 1, start with verse 1, and here's the Bible says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, to show unto his servant, servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he said and signified it by his angel unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. If you underline things in your Bible, underline that phrase, for the time is at hand. Verse 4, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, Grace be unto you, and peace from him which is, and which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him, even so. Amen. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was, and which is to come, the Almighty. Father, we come to you tonight. Lord, thank you so much for the service thus far. God, thank you for the songs, the singing, the, the fellowship, the spirit. But God, now we're asking for your help in this message. Lord, I thank you for the, the beautiful words we've already read tonight. But God, I'm praying now that you help me be, be able to deliver the message the way you would have it done. God, may I stand boldly and stand on the word of God, Lord, and preach what you say. And God will give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Uh, this this uh, message tonight is centered around time. I had, I had you underline those words for the time is at hand. That's what I've titled the message. Uh, speaking of time, time is absolutely flying. Yes. Now, I remember as a, as a kid thinking that time was never going to get there. I mean, waiting on Christmas was just like agony. It's never going to get here. Well, I want you to know Christmas is 119 days away from right now. Okay. Hey, time is moving on. Labor Day is eight days away. It's not long ago. Daylight savings time ends in 70 days, November 5th. 88 days, it'll be Thanksgiving, then 119 days Christmas, and 127 days, it'll be the year 2024, Lord willing. But there is no denying time is passing by, and it's passing by quickly. 
our little daughter, y'all call her little, she's not little anymore. She was here with us this morning, and I can still remember like yesterday when she was born, just a little bitty thing. Here she's grown up, and she had moved out there and went to Ohio and lived there for a year back, and it's just amazing how time has flown by. You remember the first time you heard COVID? Wow, that's been, what, three years ago now. And so it's, uh, it's crazy to think how quickly everything's going. Well, the human penman of the book of Revelation was no doubt the Apostle John, also known as the one that Jesus loved, as he, he often liked to claim. Uh, he was the man that Jesus named one of the sons of thunder. He was uh, the brother of James, son of, son of Zebedee. He was also the one that Jesus, hanging from the cross, looked down and gave the care to his own mother into his hands. Uh, James, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, the Apostle John, the writer here, the, the Revelation writer, was apparently the only apostle still living in that year, which is believed to be about 95 A.D. Uh, that's when we believe the book of Revelation was written. John had been banished to the Isle of Atlas uh, for preaching God's word. That's why he was there. Uh, the Romans, the Roman emperor Domitian, uh, had sentenced him there. And secular history tells us that before this, he was boiled in oil in Ephesus and, and survived and was shipped over to uh, Patmos to, uh, for exile. Now, the Word of God doesn't tell us he was boiled in oil, but uh, history uh, tells us that fact. Whether it's so or not, I don't know. But uh, we do know he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, and that's where he was spending his time. And what they did over there was bust up rocks. They, they mined rocks, they busted them with hammers, and then they would put them on boats and they would take them back across to the mainland and the Romans would build roads out of them. And there's still roads over there in that area that the Romans built. The Roman roads are still in existence. And so John had a hand in, in building those roads. Well, in our opening text, the last part of verse 4, it said, For the time is at hand. So what exactly does it mean, the time is at hand? What's, what's it talking about? Well, we don't have to go through this whole book of Revelation tonight. I could if you wanted to. We'd be here for a little while. But uh, if you were to examine all the events in the book of Revelation, you'll find that Jesus is revealing unto John certain things. And it's already mentioned prophecy, the prophecy of this book. You know, you'll be blessed. But, uh, it says in verse 3, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. So we know things that the Lord Jesus has prophesied about of future events. But it also talks about past events, current events, and future events. And the Lord told him to write those things down. There in verse 19 of Revelation 1, it says, Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. And so all these things are encompassed into this book of Revelation. Singular, not plural. It is not Revelations. Uh, that's one of my pet peeves. Somebody said, you know what it says in the book of Revelations? No, it's revelation. It's the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ is what the book is about. That's the central theme is the Lord Jesus. And so it is the book of Revelation. Now, my old Schofield King James Bible says the revelation of St. John Divine. Well, it was the revelation of Jesus Christ given to St. John Divine. And so uh, the whole purpose, again, is to introduce us to the Lord Jesus, to reveal him to us. It's the unveiling of Christ is what it's all about. Now, in the first three chapters of this book, the Lord gives John a message for the seven churches. The Bible calls them the churches of Asia. They were not in China. That's not what that means. That's what that area was called, the area of Asia. And these churches, all seven of them, 
uh, were uh, in that area. And so these messages that he gave him are all relevant to the church today here in America. Uh, the same things they were doing, the same things that, that God was pointing out they were doing wrong, and the things he pointed out they were doing right, you can take churches right here in East Tennessee and say, okay, this is the church of Laodicea. You know, this is the church. And we can name off uh, churches that this would encompass. So it's all, it's relevant to us today. It's not just something that happened in the past, but it's, it's for our, our good and our future. Well, after the messages to the churches, uh, we believe, I personally believe, by reading the Word of God, the church is raptured out of here right there after chapter 3. It's mentioned because it's never mentioned again after that. And so the church, we know the Lord's coming for His church. And so if you if you look at your Bible, chapter 3 and chapter 4 is divided by a little bitty white line. Right in there is where the rapture of the church happens. And so uh, I believe the church is raptured out before the, the seven years of the tribulation. And that's the next event. After the church is raptured out, the tribulation period will begin. The Antichrist will come on the scene. He will, be, will not be known as such. They won't know him as the Antichrist. They'll know him as the new savior of the world. He'll, he'll be one, a charismatic person that comes in, and he'll take over, and, and it'll look like things. He's, he's improving everything. Looks like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And he's going to be real buddies with the Jewish race. He's going to pretend to them that he's their best friend, and there'll be three and a half years of, of false peace here on this earth. And so for three and a half years, it's going to look like this Antichrist guy is, is just doing everything that's, that's right. And then suddenly, after that three and a half years, we're going to see him turn like a rabid dog on the Jews because he hates them. His whole plan all along is to destroy the Jew, destroy uh, Christ, to destroy Christians. He would love to, but the Jew is number one in his sight. That's why it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob is Israel. And so it's the time of Jacob's trouble. It's not the time of the church's trouble. It doesn't say it's the time of the Gentiles' trouble. It says it's the time of Jacob's trouble. And so the Jew is going to be under this heavy persecution in a great tribulation for the next three and a half years. And that, my friend, is when things are really going to go back. Uh, after he turns... And he's going to commit the abomination of desolation in the temple, set himself up, uh, 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 an image of himself up on the, on, the, uh, on the throne of David there in the temple, and claim to be God himself. And people will bow down and worship this man. And uh, shortly after, a command will be made that everyone has to take on the mark of the beast. You'll have to have it in your hand or your forehead. If you can't, you can't buy or sell. You don't do it. And so we're going to see at that time those that uh, are true uh, disciples of God is going to follow God and believe in Christ and those that will not. If they will not, they're going to get that, that mark of the beast put on them. And so then we see that uh, the, the revelation reveals to us the four horsemen, the vile judgments, the trumpet judgments, the release of hellish demons upon the earth. Uh, cataclysmic events start taking place. Earthquakes, fires, floods. Um, Wars, famine, and destruction. All these things occurring during that horrible time. And then finally we see that the Lord Jesus will come. The Lord Jesus will come. He will bind Satan. The Bible tells us he will cast him into that pit for a thousand years. And after a thousand years, Satan will be released for one last battle with the Lord. But the Lord will be victorious. And uh, so Satan, the Antichrist, the false prophet are all cast into the lake of fire along with all unbelievers at that point. And so we know that thousand years of peace when Satan is cast into that bottomless pit or into that uh, flame, the bottomless pit, 
That thousand years of peace on earth is when Christ will reign and rule on earth. We call that the millennial reign or the thousand year reign. And then we come to a time of eternal peace. And so that time that is at hand that God is speaking of is all that stuff that's going to happen. All that stuff's going to happen. It's coming. It's at hand. It is coming. It's, it's uh, um, undeniable. And so he says that those times are at hand. Look at now. Turn over to the, the last book for Revelation 22. Revelation 22 and verse 10. I know I'm going quick here, but a lot, a lot of stuff in here. Revelation 22 and verse 10. The Bible says, And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Here he says it again. For the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the right uh, to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters, and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify to thee these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. And the spirit of the bride say, Come. And let him that hears say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life. And out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Alright, so the thing we, we want to question ourselves is, how do we prepare for this time that is to come? I mean, the Bible tells us here, that's twice that we read, the time is at hand. The time is at hand. And so we know we must be prepared for that time that is at hand. So what do we have to do first? I said it this morning. If you want to be part of the church, you must be saved. So to prepare for that time that is to come, you must be saved. Uh, in Revelation 22 and 11, it said, He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he which is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. So in other words, when that time comes, if you are not one of the, if you're not saved, but yet you're one of these, and what does he say? He said, uh, he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. In other words, that unjust man is never going to be justified from that point. So he must be justified before it happens. So he that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He that's filthy, let him be filthy still. In other words, he's not going to get cleaned up. It's too late. Time has passed. The time is at hand. You better get ready for this before this happens. So in other words, if you're not saved when the time comes, it will be too late if you're filthy. When the time comes, you will remain filthy. If you're unrighteous, you're going to remain unrighteous. There's no hope for you at that point. Now, in light of this time that's coming, and the Lord Jesus said it was coming quickly. Now, it's been over 2,000 years, and we're thinking, well, it don't seem too quick to me, does it? It's coming quickly, friends. 
it'll be here before you know it. And it doesn't mean, okay, I'm coming tomorrow. That's not what he means. He means when this time does come, it's going to come on you fast before you know what's happening. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1-4 tells us it will be about warning. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that are right unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. So in other words, those that are lost, uh, when he comes, he's going to come like a thief in the night. He's going to come quickly. And it'll be too late if you're not saved at that point. But those that are saved, he said, but ye, speaking to those that are saved, ye, brethren, and the Bible calls saved people brethren, by the way, ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Why are they not in darkness? Because they've been saved. And so therefore, that day should not overtake them as a thief. Because they're ready. They've prepared. They've been saved. Now, we live today our lives like we're going to live forever. Yeah. As, a, as a young person, you, you don't think your time's ever going to go. I remember being 19 years old, working at Hillcrest Nursing Home, sitting at a table with a man that was 35. And I thought he was the oldest man I'd ever seen in my life. And he mentioned that he was 35, and I was like, is it great? He's 35 years old. He's an old man. And there I was 19. I passed 35 a long, long time ago, friends. And I don't feel like an old man now, but uh, I know I'm getting that way. But uh, uh, I'm just telling you, uh, we live our lives like we think we're going to live forever, but we are not. But you better believe this, and you better believe me well. If you're not saved, when that time comes, it's going to be too late. Secondly, we must be prepared. So being prepared, first of all, we've got to be saved. Now, as we all know, everyone, the Bible tells us that everyone is going to come under some kind of judgment according to their works. The lost sinner is going to be judged for their sins and condemned to hell to die and pay for those sins. Those that are saved won't be judged for their sins. They're going to be judged for their works, both good and bad, the Bible says, that they've done in their body. And that's since you've been saved. So the works that you've done, according to yourself, you say that I'm doing this for the Lord. Well, we're going to see. We're going to see if those works were done for the Lord or were they done to, to boast your ego. Were they done to uh, try to make somebody think that you were something that you weren't? Uh, were those works true or were they false? Because if they were true, you're going to be rewarded for those things. But those that were false are going to get burned up, wood, hay, and stone. So all those things that you thought you were doing for the Lord, but yet secretly down inside you were doing it to get this, or you were doing it to get, yay, you're the best singer, or you're the best preacher, or you're the best deacon, or whatever. If you were doing it for that reason, that's going to get burned up. That's going to be for nothing. You've got your reward here on this earth. The Bible tells us we get our reward, but it'll be here on earth. And so you're not going to get one from him for that. Now, these rewards we're going to get, I'm not a big one on, on teaching and preaching about the rewards. I just say what the Bible says. But these rewards are not for us to keep. We're actually going to get these back to him. And so we're going to cast these crowns, these rewards that, that we get for this, back at him, down at his feet. And so... Really, the things that we do, if we're truly doing it for the Lord Jesus, those are for our benefit because we get to give them back to Him. What a wonderful thing. You know, some people think you're, there's going to be some people walking around in heaven with all these crap stacks of crowns on their head. You know? Where's Billy Graham? He's got 25 crowns on his head. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. We're going to throw them down to Jesus' feet. 
So we must be prepared. Revelation 22 and 12 says, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. Matthew 6 and 19 through 20 tells us not to lay up our, for ourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Mary and I, we've been married, what's it, 38 years now? I believe it's our fifth wedding anniversary. Um, we, we came home... Uh, for lunch, and we didn't, we didn't never do that. It was just this one time we did it uh, because it's our anniversary, and then we left. We both left together. Somebody was apparently watching our house when we did that. Uh, no sooner had we left, somebody came and broke in our house. Uh, they uh, they messed up the garage door somehow and, and got the the handle all messed up and got it raised up. They stole all my tools. They stole jewelry. They stole. I mean, they stole everything. They wiped us out. You know. And uh, the feeling that we had when that happened, when we come back home and saw that garage door halfway up, and then we went in the house and saw uh, places where stuff used to be, you know, uh, like they didn't take our big RCA 25-inch color TV that we had, you know, those old big old console, but they took the, the uh, VCR that was on top of it, and there was a, a clean spot there, and then the dust on the other side. <laughs> but to go in and look, and all these things are gone, and what an awful feeling. And then after that, ever since that, all these years later, still to this day, when I leave out of the driveway, I, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, I wonder if somebody will come in and wipe us out. And so, uh, look, we don't need to lay up ourselves treasures down here because just like that, somebody come in and take everything that you've got. Somebody go in right now and, and break into your bank account online and drain all the money out of your account. You'll be penniless. But what the Bible says is for us to lay ourselves up treasures in heaven where none of that's going to happen. It's not going to rust. Moths can't get to it. Rust can't corrupt it. Thieves can't break in and get it. First, there's no thieves in heaven. Also in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 5, 15 through 21. The Bible says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, where is its excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, and singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now there, Paul teaching the church at Ephesus how the churches behave and how people are behaving with each other. But he said that we need to be redeeming the time. What did the Bible say? It, said, it says the time is at hand. So we need to be redeeming that time, making sure that everything we do is looking forward to that time. So we've got to be prepared. So we've got to be saved. We've got to be prepared. Thirdly, we've got to be obedient as we walk here on this earth as Christians. Obedience. Revelation 22, 14 through 15. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth to make them alive. So just as you remember the story of Daniel, how obedient he was, how he would not take the king's meat, 
and, and do all that. He still bowed down, you know, in his, in his window three times a day and prayed. And how he was so obedient to the Lord. And how he was rewarded for all of that. I want you to know there's reward for being obedient to the Lord. He may not give you fancy houses or big titles or anything like that. But the reward is just the what God does for you. What that feeling that he will give you inside of you for being obedient to him. There's nothing better in the world than being obedient to the Lord. Because there's nothing worse in the world than being disobedient to him. So we must be obedient. And may I say to you tonight, above everything else, the Lord wants your obedience above all. Above your church attendance. Above how much you read your Bible above how much you give to the church or give to charity or do good things above all of that he wants your obedience above all now if you're Christian you should be living like a Christian you should have a desire within your heart to live as a Christian the Holy Spirit when we get saved the Holy Spirit lives and sighs and dwells within us and he guides us he's our compass he's our GPS if you will and he tells us, and he reminds us when we're doing wrong, he points it out. We know it. It's a fact. He's there convicting us. That's one of his jobs. He convicts and convinces. And so we convict your heart that what you're doing is sin. And you should be getting it. If you're saved, you should be getting conviction when you sin. If you're not, you need to, you need to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, am I truly saved? Lord, have I, have I understood correctly the Word of God? Have I honestly believed the finished work of Christ on the cross? Have I repented of my sins and turned to you to save me? Have I received you as my Savior? Because you should be under conviction when you sin. So we should live as Christians. We must be obedient. There's nothing more pleasing than being obedient to the Lord. So we've got to be saved. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be obedient. And fourth and last, we must be waiting. And watching, waiting and watching. Verse 20 said, He which testifies these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. And then John adds what he says, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. You see, Jesus there, if you've got a red letter edition Bible, it says there in verse 20, The surely I come quickly is in red because that's the, the Lord Jesus speaking. And John's comment is, Amen. And he says, Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And so he's excited about that, that thought that the Lord Jesus is going to come and he's going to come quick, quickly and soon. And so he says, Amen, come Lord Jesus. And just as the Apostle John said that, we too should be waiting for that glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. We should be waking up in the mornings and saying, even come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Even so, come Lord Jesus. And I'll be honest with you, there's Times I go not even thinking about that. Not even thinking this could be the day the Lord Jesus comes back. You know what times I do? Times I wake up and say, this might be the day. You know, and my Uncle Ronnie sings a song. He used to sing with King's Servants and he would sing, What a beautiful day for the Lord to come again. And sometimes I'll get that song in my mind. I think about that. I wake up and I look outside and I'll say, this could be the day the Lord comes. But there's other days I get up and I don't think of thinking about it. Friends, listen, we, we need to be waiting. We need to be watching. He could come at any moment. He could come and take us out of here. And so the Apostle Paul, writing over to Titus, he said this, Titus 2, 13 and 14. He said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, 
that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify to himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Listen, friends, it's too important to treat, not to treat this the right way. We treat it lightly. Uh, look, time's approaching, and it's approaching quickly. As I said this morning, it is closer today than it was then. It's closer right now than it was this morning. And so every day we're closer to when that time is at hand, and we've got to be ready for it. It wouldn't surprise me in the least that this world ended in my lifetime. I know people's been saying that for 2,000 years. I believe you. We see the signs. We say, well, we see the signs. We see the world. We see how corrupt it is. It's perilous times. It could be worse, friends. It could be worse. We just don't know when that day will be. There's nothing else, like I said, that, that has to happen before the Lord comes and takes us out of this place. But we must be saved. We must be prepared. We must be obedient. And we must be waiting and waiting. <laughs> Those things, we'll just keep those things in our heart and remember that. We'd be better for it. Brother Scott, you want to come get a song? I'm going to pray with you. If you, if you can stand, if you please stand and let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, God, we come to you tonight. Thank you for the message. Thank you for the word that you've given us. God, the truth that's in your word. God, I pray that you just want us tonight or saved. I pray, God, that, that we, we are obedient to you. God, I pray that uh, we're waiting and watching. And, and God, I pray that uh, we're just we're ready, God, that for that day that you said you would be coming. God, we love you and thank you for all the things and everything that you bless us with. But we pray right now for that one that's lost. God, it has not been saved. And God, we know if that day comes, it's going to be too late for us. Lord, if there's one like that, God, we pray that you convict their heart right now. God, whether it's here in the church, whether it's online, wherever it may be, God. Convict them, Lord. Show them their need to be saved before it's too late. Help us, Lord. Help us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead.